0: This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Do you believe it this morning? Welcome to Easter 2021. Are you glad to be in the house? Amen? Are you glad to be online? Put some clap emojis. I hope that you're there. I love this song and I love the words. What an amazing morning, right? Are you thankful for for them coming and ministering this morning, whether it be through word or through song? Come on, let's tell them. Thank you so much for putting all the time and the effort in. I love this song. Oh, what a miracle. Oh, what a miracle. Everyone say that today. Oh, what a miracle. Have you stepped back and thought about the miracle of Easter? Have you stepped back and thought about this amazing thing that a man would die on a cross but three days later rise from the grave? Does that happen every day? When's the last time you saw that happen? You know, I mean, I I don't think it's, it's, it's an unusual circumstance that takes place. It's so unbelievable the way that you work in my life. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive. If you're here today and you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you understand this concept of once being dead, but now being alive, amen? Uh, This idea of a miracle is an extraordinary, astonishing happening, uh, something that is attributed to a divine power, ultimately God. We step back and we think of this miracle that we celebrate today of Easter, and it's unbelievable, to be able to conceive this miracle that took place. I'm glad that you've come to join us this morning to celebrate this miracle. Uh, Some of you don't know me. I'm Pastor Kevin. I get the privilege of leading this church, and uh, I I am excited about Easter today. I'm glad that you've come to join me for Easter. Uh, I love the word that Aloe came and brought, the spoken word, this this, uh, monologue that she came and presented. And some of the words that she used just have... Uh, resonated in my spirit all, le- all week long, and I want to read them to you, and I'm going to actually put some of them on a slide this morning, and if you have downloaded your YouTube app, you can be able to, or the UVersion app, you can keep this phrase later to think about, but it says, Jesus was all about broken people. Think about that this morning. How many are thankful that Jesus was about broken people? How many recognize today that you're broken? Amen? That we're all broken. We come here broken. Jesus was all about broken people. He spent his life, his whole life, fixing brokenness in people. He even died right beside broken people. She went on to say, I think most of us can relate whether it's hard times, bad choices, the wrong people, addiction, loved one, loss of a loved one, abuse, unmet expectations. We've all been broken. How many can step in at the end of 2020, in the middle of 2021, stepping into 2021 and going, no, over the last 12 months, I've been broken. Can you admit that today to go, no, I've been broken? I've experienced brokenness. I've experienced some hardships in my life. I love this because she goes on to say in in her monologue, she says, Easter is about broken people. Jesus said that when I, that I want them all, I'm coming from the grave to find them. You know, the thing that's so amazing to me is that Jesus is still the same Jesus who rose from the grave and he still cares about broken people. He cares about your brokenness and my brokenness. In the middle of a crisis, Jesus shows up and he cares. This idea today is is, is hard to, to believe sometimes. It's hard to conceive. As I stand to bring this hopeful, happy message can I tell you that in the middle of hopefulness and happiness, there was also much sorrow that was taking place. Over the last year, there's been much sorrow. There's been much loss. There's been much brokenness. You know, as Allie came and talked about Saturday, can I, has it felt like it's been a really long Saturday? Like we're talking over 300 and some days of Saturday. Right? Does it feel that way? That you go, are we going to ever get to Resurrection Sunday? Are we going to get there? Are we going to get to the victory and the joy of Jesus? I want to tell you today, today, Kevin needs Easter. Today, I need the resurrection of a Savior. Today, I need Jesus that comes and shows up and cares about me in my brokenness. How many can say that about yourself today? That you need Jesus to come in the middle of this year. Maybe you have lost a loved one. Maybe you are in turmoil. Maybe you have suffered from circumstances. But you say, Jesus, I need you to show up in the middle of my brokenness. A recent survey, talking recent, just like three weeks ago from the Pew Research Center... Has found that within the light, that that with the light, even at the end of the tunnel, with increasing numbers of people receiving the vaccine and actually uh, returning to some sense of normalcy, this this thing of anxiety and fear and depression and discouragement has overwhelmed believers today. Can I tell you what would we do without Jesus? Right. Let's step back and put ourselves in the world's shoes that do not even have Jesus. They don't have the hope of a risen Savior. It says today in this statistic that 39% said that they plan on even attending church this Easter, down from 69% in 2019. Can I tell you, it has impacted the body of Christ. It has impacted this heart and this mindset of serving Christ. You know, one of the statistics that went on a little bit further because of the weight that Christians are carrying, that people are carrying, it says that 19% even showed up to church or came online in the month of March. In the middle of this crisis, they're stepping back and going, I don't even want Jesus. I I don't want this Jesus that's coming for broken people. And I ask, where are you this morning? Where are you at in your mindset and in your attitude? Where are you at in this concept of Easter and this resurrected Savior? If we talk honestly this morning, we realize that life is filled with moments and seasons that sometimes it feels like God is dead. Have you ever prayed a prayer such as this? This is a prayer that I prayed this last week. God, do you even care? God, are you really working all things together for my good? God, if you're God of compassion and mercy, God, I could sure you some compassion and breakthrough right now. God, I know you're alive. God, I know that you're powerful. God, I know that you answer prayer. But God, where are you in my life right now? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you're just at the end of all situations and circumstances? You're just saying, God, where are you? The reality is is this, you say, Pastor Kevin, your life is so blessed. Can I tell you, my life is extremely blessed. I'm so thankful. But can I tell you that when you're in the middle of a broken place, it's hard to see the blessing, right? When you're in the middle of a hard place, it's hard to see this, this Jesus who is coming back and trying to bring victory to your life. In transparency this week, I had to kind of process life, and how I process is I make a list, and I go through and I write things out, and so I'm going to share my list with you this morning, not to, I want you to see the reality of life, that Kevin struggles with the reality of brokenness. Hopefully in the middle of my brokenness, you'll be able to see your own brokenness, and you'll be able to identify In the midst of my brokenness, I feel like I'm failing in leading a church over, over this last year with defeat and weight of fear of COVID. I feel like I'm leading a church in a culture that I can't win. I feel like I'm leading a church through a government unrest where the faith community is choosing to walk secular worldview rather than spiritual worldview. I feel like I'm leading a church through the midst of a pandemic, that a church that was once 650 that now appears to be 250. Leading the church through the destruction of fire that has surrounded us. Leading the church through the destruction of ice storms that impacted our lives. And on top of leading this church, there are the personal relationships of people that have stepped in to go, my marriage is failing. I'm turning away from God because he does not care. I've stepped into an affair. I've started an addiction. I've returned to an addiction. Mental health crisis. I am having anxiety and depression. I'm self-medicating. I'm in isolation. I've lost my job. Can I tell you that the list could go on and on and on and on and on? That when we look at this last year to go, is Saturday ever going to end? And then you put in our own personal issues of Rhonda and myself, and we've walked through a crisis pregnancy with our daughter, and our grandson has come, and there's been issues that have been there, and then there's been my personal health that I've had procedures, and some of you are aware, but about two months ago, Rhonda found a large mass in her abdomen. And we're in a broken stage of life right now. We're in the waiting to go, God, where are you? This mass that is there that... Produces fear in our humanity. To go, God, do you care? We're waiting for a surgery. Can I tell you, if you want to pray for anything this week, would you pray that we can get in for the scheduled surgery that is supposed to happen on Thursday? But because of COVID, we have these restrictions. Can I tell you, my God's bigger than all of that. Today, as I said earlier, I need Easter. I need the risen Savior to show up. I need to experience and to encounter him in those intimate moments. In the middle of life's drama, I'm learning this statement, a statement that I wrote down about two weeks ago as I was trying to unbury myself and do devotions. Have you ever felt that way? To go, God, I know you're there and I know I need to do this, but God, where are you? And our statement, a phrase I wrote down, the circumstances that I faced aren't nearly as important as the conclusions that I draw. I want you to grasp this this morning because I can tell you that I have been distorted in my conclusions. All this week, there has been a cloud that has hung over my life to go, God, I have to stand up on Sunday and declare the victory of Jesus. Where is the victory? Death, your sting is stinging me. But can I tell you that God in his faithfulness cares, and I've resolved, and you're going to hear my resolution as I come to bring my message, so don't go, oh, Pastor Kevin, this is gloomy today. I want, you to, I want to take you to the brokenness, because we all experience the brokenness. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke that I want to look to, a story that I've fallen in love with over and over and over again, a story that I have read and reread, but read and reread with a greater intensity the last couple weeks in preparation for this message. It's a story about two disciples that had the weight of life. Two disciples that were carrying this brokenness of humanity. Two disciples that thought they were living for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and all of a sudden he dies on a cross and all life ends. It's a story about the Emmaus Road, and these disciples that were there. And what I've realized is that it reveals intersections of Jesus into our lives, just like it was intersections of Jesus into their lives. If your life has been shattered, this is a story for you. If your life has been successful, this is a story for you. If you're in the middle and you're wondering, God, where are you? This story is for you. If you're on the other side of Saturday and into Sunday, this story is for you. It's a revealing that our lives can be shattered and broken, but God can bring victory. Background to this story, this is Sunday morning. Resurrection Day has taken place. Mary and Mary have run to the garden. We know that story. and They've run to the garden and the tomb, the, the stones rolled away and the tomb is empty and an angel appears and says, Jesus is not here. And they run back to the disciples and they, commun- they communicate to the disciples that this, this happened. And Peter's going, You got to be kidding. And he runs off to the tomb to see that the tomb is also empty. And the very next verse in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, it says, Behold, everyone say, Behold. behold. You know, that word behold is a really, really cool word because it means to step back and acknowledge. It's it's like be aware something is going to happen. We don't use that word very much. We should come into the house and go behold. <laughs> right? You know. But Jesus comes and in this story as Luke is writing under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he includes this story that is so significant to Kevin's life today. Hopefully it's significant to yours. It says behold. Now that same day two of them are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here these days? What things he asked Jesus said of, about uh, what things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and the and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But he had hoped that he was. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women were amazed and they went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they'd seen a vision and, uh, and one who had said that he was alive. Then some of our companions, they ran to the tomb and they found out, just as the women had said, that he's not even there. But they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish are you? How slow to believe all... Slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter the glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he began to explain to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village Emmaus to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. And but they urged him to stay and stay to, for, strongly to stay with us. And for nearly was evening. The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then immediately their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up, and they returned at once to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and, and those that were with them assembled together and saying, is it, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two began to unfold their story and tell them how they recognized Jesus as he broke bread. These two followers, who were seemingly unknown, they're insignificant. Nowhere in the story do we, in, in the gospels, are these two men recorded by name. They're part of a large group of followers of Christ, You know, I can tell you today that if I was Jesus, I would have showed up to one of the significant ones. I would have showed up to the one that is gonna make the biggest noise and the biggest testimony, right? They're the ones that are gonna have the loud voice, but Jesus shows up to two insignificant disciples, followers of Christ. I wanna give you five realities of Easter this morning. The first reality is that Sometimes, in this idea of Easter, we want to run away. This first reality is this thing of running from a circumstance that we don't understand. In verse 13, behold now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. I imagine that Cleopas and this other individual, after they've heard the testimonies of Mary and they heard the testimony of Peter, they're like going, looking at each other, going like, now what are you going to do? Is this really true? I didn't see Jesus. Everything that we've lived for for the last year or last two years, it's done. We're gone. I'm going back home. Do you ever feel like just going back home? Do you just get tired of the circumstances in life and you want to avoid what's going on in reality? Their faith was shaken, their hope was shattered. Crisis hits us in our lives, and we want to run away. You say, Pastor Kevin, I don't run. I can tell you that, pre-COVID, I'm not a runner either, but I can tell you that there's this feeling inside that I want to get out of the middle of all of the crisis. I could probably, if everyone would be honest this morning, everyone would be saying, no, I, I'm, I'm done with this. I want to move on. Not all of us run the same way. The human condition is to run. When we begin to think about the story through Scripture, we can see individuals that ran from God, beginning with Adam and Eve. They step into sin, and they want to hide. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, maybe I haven't stepped into sin, but can I tell you that there's this tendency within us that hard things happen, and we want to run. We want to avoid them. You may be running today to an addiction. You may be running to a social media. You may be running to a relationship that's not healthy. You may be running away from something to get to find peace somewhere else. And the reality is, is these two disciples were running from Jerusalem where all this pain had taken place. They identified Jerusalem as torment. They identified Jerusalem as robbing them of someone that was so important to them. And you go, but disciples, really, it's Easter Sunday. You know, we can step back, and we're so privileged and so blessed this morning to be able to look at history, to be able to look at the Gospels, to not necessarily walk through it individually and segment it as they walk through it. Today, we get to see the entirety of the story. And you want to say, no, Cleopas, stay in Jerusalem. Jesus is there. But it says on this road, Jesus appeared to them. The second reality of Easter is this, that Jesus seeks to reconnect with us. So regardless of whether they would have stayed in Jerusalem or not, Jesus wanted to reconnect with them. Regardless of what their emotional state was, Jesus wants to reconnect with them. You know what I think is so fascinating about this passage of Scripture is that there are over 10 verses that are focused on the reconnection of Jesus to these two disciples, That Jesus in his patience, Jesus in his kindness, Jesus in his compassion, Jesus in his understanding, Jesus in his mercy, Jesus in his love, Jesus in the middle of all that is going on says, I care about two insignificant disciples and I'm going to walk seven miles with them. We've been walking a long ways. But I want to tell you today, you're not walking alone. Jesus has come and he wants to connect. Even this morning you may going, you know, I came because I was invited by a relative and I haven't been to church forever. Can I tell you that Jesus is here to reconnect with you? Yeah. Maybe you're online and you haven't watched church forever. You haven't stepped, put your, maybe you've never done it. But I want to say today that Jesus wants to connect with you. He cares about your story. Your story is important to him. You know, the thing that's so amazing to me is you hear this story and Jesus comes up and goes, what are you guys talking about? And they step back in shock to like, go, are you serious? Here you're coming from Jerusalem. You're obviously, you're there for the Passover. Do you not know the story? It's been going through the streets. This man named Jesus, he was supposed to be the son of God. He was from Nazareth. He was crucified, brutally beaten. You really don't know what's going on? Do you ever feel that way inside? People come up and go, what's going on? You go, seriously? Can you not just observe that life sucks right now? Do you ever feel that way? That's what these disciples are feeling, but you know the thing that's so cool is Jesus stops and lets them unload their anxieties. He listens to their story. He hears their heartbeat. He hears their pain. He hears that purpose has fleed from their life, and they, he sits there and he listens. Can I tell you today that Jesus cares about your story? The reality of Easter, that even in the middle of running, Jesus cares. Even in the middle of my running, or in the middle of what's taking place in our lives, in your life, Jesus wants to come and he wants to connect with us. He wants to have this relationship in our lives. Jesus knew all these details. He listened to their story, and Jesus comes and he connects with us. His very name, Emmanuel, is what? God with us. That even though we think we're alone, even though we feel like we're running alone, God is there walking with us. How many have seen glimpses of God over the last year? That he's walking with us, he's connecting with us, he's leaning into our life. I was thinking of this passage of scripture in Psalms 139, David, the psalmist, he goes, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? This passage of scripture actually was just playing in my spirit this last week because I'm like going, God, where are you? And it's like the Holy Spirit began to say, Kevin, where can you go from my presence? I'm here. I'm here. The third reality of Easter is this, is that Jesus invites recognition. Jesus invites us to recognize him in the middle of our circumstances. It says as they approach the village, they encourage Jesus to stay with, us, stay with them there and When he was sitting at the table, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke and he began to give it to them and then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Isn't it important to recognize that Jesus is in the room? You know, I think of a song by Katie Torwalt and it says this, when you walk into the room, everything changes. You might think I'm a little bit weird in saying this, but as we were singing Worship songs that Jesus, you alone. Can I tell you, I felt the presence of God walk into the room. I sensed him in my life, in my situation. I sensed a hope, I sensed a purpose. And it says, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. And when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning. And nothing matters more than just to sit at your feet. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the den begin to rise because there's resurrection life in all that you do. Can I tell you today, as we come, Jesus has walked into the room. He's here to reconnect with you. He's walked into your home to reconnect with you. But there has to be a recognition that He's there. We have to step back and go, God, you've walked into my life and you care about me. What I love about this story is that Jesus comes in and he plays the host like he always did and he begins to break bread. It's not his house, right? I mean, how would you like it if someone comes into your house and go, well, let's pray and I'm going to break the bread for us. Bless you, bless you, bless you. And you're like going, excuse me, this is my house, Right? Jesus comes in and immediately takes the place to go, no, here I am to minister to you. Here I am to bless you. Here I am to open your eyes and to bring life to you. Jesus gives us this ability to recognize him. He himself opens our eyes in the midst of all circumstances. Sometimes we are so blinded by our sadness. Sometimes we're so blinded by our frustration. Sometimes we're blinded by our self-pity. Hello? Anybody ever have self-pity in your life? Some were so blinded because of the unjust actions that have been taking place in our lives. And Jesus wants to take away the scales to go, no, here I am, I'm, I'm present. Someone sent me a verse this week, actually sent it to Rhonda and I, that reverberated over and over in my mind. David, again, in the book of Psalms, he says, I remain confident. Everybody say confident. Confident. In transparency, I wasn't remaining confident in some things this week. But it says, I remain confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can I tell you today... That I'm here to say, I'm confident that my God is good. My God is faithful. My God can heal. My God can change circumstances. And I will see his goodness today, tomorrow, in the middle of this land that I'm living. Yeah. The fourth reality of Easter is this. This is one's the best, is that Jesus always, everyone say always, Jesus always brings restoration. Amen. Jesus always brings restoration. You know, we can get all jazzed about that He's walking with us and he's re- reconnecting with us and we recognize that he's there. But the purpose of all those ones is to bring restoration to your life and to my life. Amen. To come back to realize, God, I'm broken. Can I tell you that every morning we need to get up and go, God, I need Easter today. I need resurrection life today. What happens is we wait 365 days between Easter's to celebrate Easter, when in reality, it should be every day of our life. This word restoration is to bring back to life, to make like new. In verse 32, it says, after Jesus disappeared, it says, were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us? Were not our hearts burning within us? When you look at the actual Greek of that passage of Scripture, it means, was something not being rekindled in our life? Let's go back just miles, seven miles earlier. The disciples are leaving Jerusalem and they're filled with disappointment and sadness and brokenness and hopelessness. The purpose that they've been living for is gone. Everything that they had hoped for is done. They're down and they're out and they're going, we're going back to our old life. Ten verses later, a little bit further along in this process of the story, seven miles outside of Jerusalem in Emmaus, all of a sudden they are able to acknowledge that while Jesus was speaking to them, something was being rekindled within their hearts. Restoration. Restoration of purpose, restoration of life, restoration of joy, restoration of believing, restoration of why they were on this planet. Last night, I had a restoration moment. Trent and I were dialoguing in a text message. Rhonda was on that, and we were talking about this movie called Facing the Giants. It's an old, old movie. Some would step back and go, no, that's just a corny movie. Can I tell you in the middle of the corniness, there's some stuff that's there? But while my wife was laying on the couch breathing really heavy, meaning she was asleep. She was having a physical restoration moment and I was having a spiritual restoration moment. And I'm watching this movie. And yeah, I'm seeing the quirky phrases of this movie and the lines of this movie, but I'm beginning to weep. It was a God moment. And the phrase that that coach kept saying was, don't quit. Don't quit. Would you say that with me today? Don't quit. I think someone in this room needs to hear that phrase today, don't quit. Just like I needed to hear the phrase, don't quit. It was a restorative moment as I'm sitting there and Rhonda's snoring over here and I'm crying having a Jesus moment. Jesus walked into the room. And when Jesus walked into the room, it doesn't bother him that someone's snoring. Every Sunday, half of you is snoring anyway. But can I tell you something? Rather than the disciples sitting there in their ick and in their gloom they recognized Jesus and they felt this rekindling of purpose and no longer could they sit there they couldn't go back to the way the life was isn't that true about Jesus when you've experienced him and when he walks into the room you can't go back to the way you were it doesn't work you're miserable and they're realizing in the middle of all this they're miserable. Easter is about broken people. Easter is about restoration. You know, I think of Aloe as she dropped this egg, and my mom would have said, Oh, it's not wasted, let's just make deviled eggs out of it. Right? Can I tell you sometimes God comes and says, It's time to make some deviled eggs out of your situation. It's kind of it's it's not done. It's not done. The fifth reality of Easter and the last one today. The one that we should live in every day of our lives is Easter elicits rejoicing. Easter elicits rejoicing. If you were like me this last week, sometimes you don't feel like rejoicing. Right? Anybody been there? If Kevin's going to walk by his feelings and by his sight... Kevin's going to be self-absorbed with Kevin. Because that's all I can see. When I step into faith, that faith demands something from me. The reality of Easter elicits rejoicing. This word elicit is to evoke and to draw out a response to. I ask you today, what's your response to Easter? This isn't just a day In the middle of 365 days. The reality of Easter is that it's with us, present with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you love Jesus today, there should be a rejoicing. But can I tell you that even when you don't feel like rejoicing, God still cares. And probably even in the most important moments when you feel so broken. And at the end of your rope, I guarantee Jesus is going to try to reconnect with you. He's going to come after you. He's going to pursue you. He wants relationship with you. He wants to invade the darkness of your life. He wants to come in the middle of brokenness and bring life and purpose. Easter elicits rejoicing. It draws out a response from us. Alfred McBride makes this statement. He says, during the journey to Emmaus, Jesus patiently guided the two disciples from hopelessness to celebration. Think about that. This seven-mile walk, Jesus has taken time out of his life to go, no, I care about these two disciples, and I care about their circumstances, and I care about their disappointment and their discouragement. I see a different picture, and I'm going to walk with them. And they come to a place of being able to rejoice. Verse 33, it says, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. You know, I bet that their trek back to Jerusalem was a lot faster than their trek to Emmaus. Right? I mean, when something happens in your life and you're ecstatic and you're rejoicing, you're like going, let's get to it. I can't wait to share. They didn't have the privilege of texting ahead to go, hey, guys, everybody gather together. They couldn't call on the phone. They couldn't FaceTime. They had to hightail it. They had to run. And it says when they get back there, everyone's together. And they're hearing the truth that Jesus is alive. Oh, oh, what a miracle. This guy that once was dead, that was brutally beaten, was alive. Jesus had appeared to them. You know what I've realized in this story of Easter is the this story, this story is not about an individual. It's about a community. Do you hear me today? I want you to hear this statement. This story is not about an individual, even though that's important. You're significant to him. But this story is about a community, about what you can do in my life and I can do in your life. You know, I think of the greeting of old on Easter Sunday Some of you are going to know it, and they're going to know how to respond. And I would come and say, "He has risen," and you would say, "Can I tell you? It's a community involvement." In the moments when we're running, we need the community that's rejoicing. In the moments when it's dark, we need the community that sees the light. In the moment that it feels like death, we need to see the life, and that comes from the community. Can I tell you what's taking place is as they're running back to, get back to Jerusalem, they get together in this room and they all begin to share their stories. You may not be a family like our family, but we're a family. Where when we get together, we get a little bit excited and we all talk over one another. Anybody have families that talk over one another? You have a story and you want to share your story and you want to go, no, my story's better. That's what I hear in this upper room, and they're going, no Peter saw him, and it goes, Who cares what Peter saw him? We sat down and he broke bread with us. Right? There was a rejoicing, there was an excitement, but that rejoicing took place together. That rejoicing took place with people who cared. And I bring that up this morning because there's been faithfulness of people and Ronas in my life over the last couple months that have religiously and diligently texted us and sent us prayers. They've dropped us passages of scriptures and some of you are here this morning. Can I tell you what you've done is you've brought the light of Easter when it's felt like Friday. You've brought the light of Easter when it's felt like Saturday. And even though we know the truth, sometimes it's hard to get to the reality. Levi Lusko says this, Easter isn't a holiday. It's actually an identity. Easter is who we are. We are meant to to not look at Easter and go, oh, well, that's just so inspiring. You are meant to live in the power of the resurrection. He goes, we are the Easter people. Come on, say, we are the Easter people. We're not the Easter egg. If you eat too many crumble cookies, you're going to look like one. Funny. I can tell you the truth because I got a big shirt on today because I'm going to eat them. <laughs> We're the Easter people. Right. And as I close this morning, I want to read one more quote from Priscilla, Priscilla Shire. She says this You may be facing troubling circumstances. How many could be honest enough this morning to say, Pastor Kevin, I'm facing some troubling circumstances? Would you just be honest enough to lift your hand in the presence of God? The lights are dim. No one's seeing you. I'm facing troubling circumstances. My heart is heavy. I feel sad. I feel overwhelmed. I'm facing troubling circumstances. And she goes on and says, and those circumstances might not necessarily change today. But you need to know that God is getting ready to do something to invade your circumstance in spite of that disappointment. Don't be disillusioned by your discouragement. The tomb is empty. And Jesus is alive. Amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning? They're going to come back and they're going to sing this last song and I want you to lift your hands in the hallelujah moment. I want you to come and stand in victory today in spite of the discouragement that you might be feeling in your life. In spite of the hardship that you might be encountering, in spite of the brokenness my Jesus, your Jesus has come to bring health to brokenness. Jesus loves broken people. Say it with me today. Jesus loves broken people. Come on. Jesus loves broken people. And because he does, he loves you and he loves me. Heavenly Father, today we thank you that you are a God that came to restore that you are a God that cares, that you are a God that daily connects with us. You pursue us. And God, today, in the name of Jesus, those individuals that are here, God, that need you to pursue them, pursue them. Those individuals that need recognition, open their eyes in the name of Jesus. Those individuals that need rejoicing, would you bring an overwhelming sense of joy? God, bring restoration today. God, I thank you that you are God that heals the brokenhearted. Come on, let's lift our voices and celebrate. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.